Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Grab your Bibles and open up with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is where we're going to sit this morning. And uh, whether you're using your phone or a tablet or you have a hard copy of the Bible, I want all of you to get a copy of God's Word in front of you as we read this together and as we pursue uh, biblical teaching, not just uh, Matt's teaching. That's our desire And uh, as we jump into this today, we're actually on our final message in this series that we've been calling Like Christ. And if you've joined us for any part of this, we've started each of these messages by uh, asking the question, if we're seeking to become more like Jesus, then what are we seeking to become? And so today, as we finish this off, we're going to focus on uh, ultimately one of the primary focal points and what I believe to be uh, paramount to, if you, if you don't get this, then the other things become much more challenging. And so we wanted to finish this series off with this as the focus and uh, understand uh, the importance of what we're going to talk about today and more importantly what Jesus models for us specifically in John chapter 13. And my prayer is that this series has been equipping for you, that it has been helpful, and that it's been really challenging for you as well. Uh, it's been challenging for me to study through these and recognize, even in my own life, the the shortcomings that I have and the areas where I have a lot of growing I need to do to be more like Jesus. And I really believe that's where all of us are at. And if, if we don't recognize that, then that's the root of the, the starting point of the issue that we're, we're struggling with. Um, because recognizing we're fallen human beings, uh, seeking to become more like Jesus is something we should be doing as long as we have breath in our lungs. And so today, John chapter 13, and uh, if you get nothing else out of today, the main idea, the, the one big point that I want you to root into, to think about, to challenge yourself with, write this down. If you write nothing else down, write this down. And it is that our deepest joy will stem from serving as Christ served. Our deepest joy will stem, it will come from serving as Jesus served. And we're going to see where, uh, where this is revealed in this text today, but, but we're going to root into this together, challenge each other with this, and then seek to apply this to our daily lives, not just our Sunday lives, but our daily lives together. And so I'm going to start in verse 1 of John chapter 13. We're going to read this together, and then we're going to pray that God would use this time for His glory above all else. So, John chapter 13, starting in verse 1, says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, 
and that he'd come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he'd washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Father, as we come to this today, may we learn from the example of Christ. May we serve like Jesus. May we grow in our humility and our understanding of the grace that's been given to us in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we encounter this text and we look specifically at the main idea, the main idea being that our deepest joy will stem from serving like Jesus served. I want to draw your attention kind of first off to that that revelation in verse 17 where it says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, that word blessed is the exact same word that Jesus uses in his teaching at the Sermon on the Mount when he goes through what we commonly refer to as the Beatitudes. And that's, that may be a random term to you that you've never heard before. And all that describes is a portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5 that walks through and repeats this word, blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the. And we actually did a series on this a while back. And what we, what we recognize in that text, the word blessed means deeply joyful. The deepest joy for this individual. And in this context, Jesus is saying that deepest joy comes if you, not, if you don't just know these things, but if you do them. And so our main idea stems from kind of the cap of Jesus' teaching here where he's saying, if you know these things, blessed are you who do them. And so our main idea, our deepest joy will stem from serving as Christ served. But there's some other lessons in this text in John 13 that we can learn directly from Jesus about what it means to live as a servant. And so the first one of those is that Jesus models lifelong servanthood. Jesus models lifelong servanthood. Look at verse 1 again in John chapter 13. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come, recognize that, 
to depart out of this world to the Father. And then having loved his own who were in the world, this is the second part, he loved them to the end. Now, a couple observations here. First off, Jesus is fully aware of what's coming. Jesus knows that the end of his earthly life is about, about to come. Now, many of us would readily admit that we don't know how much longer we have on this earth. But none of us can predict or admit exactly when that time's going to come. We have a generality. Maybe we even have in our mind this idea of how long we'd like to live. Usually it has more to do with, I just want to accomplish this one more thing. I want to I meet this next goal, and, and then, you know, it doesn't really matter. Or we have a series of those. And yet, all of us have been impacted or experienced the pain of losing someone earlier than we thought they should have gone. And yet Jesus here, knowing, he knows that his time is coming to an end. And as, <laughs> as cultural people, we might look at that, and if we were in the same context, we would say, I'm going to live it up. I know my days are short. I know my time's limited, so I'm going to do all the things that I've never done. Or I, we, we might call it our bucket list, these things that I want to accomplish before I no longer have life. And yet, in the midst of this, Jesus recognizing that his time had come to depart. He focuses in on something that many of us would go, what are you doing, Jesus? You're washing the feet of the disciples. And it, it would be wise of us to wrestle with that and consider, at what point do we say, I've served enough? I've done enough. My attitude to be a servant has been spent. And we often, when we come to this concept of servanthood, we often think about, well, I'm, I'm serving in the nursery, or I'm, I'm serving in the community, or I'm taking time specifically to serve in fill-in-the-blank. And yet, this very concept of serving as Jesus served had nothing to do with a moment in time or a scheduled item on your calendar. It had everything to do with who he was. That Jesus chose to serve all the way to the end of his life. There was no quote-unquote retirement from being a servant. And Jesus was aware of that and he demonstrated that. And so the first thing to recognize here is that Jesus models servanthood all the way to the end of his life. Lifelong servanthood. And that, that should be a challenge to us. Now the second thing is that Jesus models servanthood to all. Now, I want you to consider something that maybe you, you skip over, but in verse 2, it says that during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Judas is at the table. The disciples are unaware of what's coming. Jesus knows Jesus knows, and he even emphasizes later on that not all of you are clean in verse 11. So Jesus, he knows what Judas is going to do. And yet, Jesus still washed his feet. Now, the root challenge here becomes many of us recognize Jesus' own commands to love our neighbor, to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. 
But it's a whole nother dynamic to go out of our way to serve them. And to be honest with you, when I came to this point this week, I wept because of what's going on in our culture, in this cultural battle, and the racism that exists in our culture, whether we want to admit it or not, and our attitudes often have not been what they should have been towards these issues. And each one of those issues, each one of those cultural struggles is an opportunity for us to decide whether I'm going to serve myself or whether I'm going to serve all. And we've got to make a choice as to what that looks like. And I'm going to tell you right now that simply sharing what you think to be right on any kind of platform where it doesn't require direct action from you to put that into practice is mostly pointless and often motivated by wanting others to think something of you without actually doing anything. So I, want you to, I just want you to be challenged by that and to consider in this season, in this time, with all that's happening, how do I respond less like a cultural person and more like Christ? How do I do that? And I believe Jesus models that here when he knows, he knows what Judas is going to do. He knows what the result's going to be, and yet he chooses to wash his feet anyway. Now, in 1 Peter 4, it emphasizes this again, specifically focused on the church. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So it's motivated by the grace God's given to us. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. That in itself may be the challenge for you today. How are you using your gift to serve all people? How are you using what God has given you by his grace to serve those around you? And specifically, those who either have wronged you or who you just don't like. How are you modeling the servanthood of Jesus to those people? Now, the third thing here is that Jesus models servanthood regardless of authority or status. Jesus identifies here in verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So not only identifying that Judas is at the table and he's going to serve him anyway in the same way he's serving the other disciples, but recognizing God had given him all things. He had the authority. He had the power. He had the status amongst his disciples to do what he wanted. He could have chosen to shame Judas right then and there in front of everyone and specifically called out what was going to take place. But he didn't. He chose to serve. To serve in humility. And you may not understand the significance of washing feet, but in biblical times, the reason for this practice was because they didn't have closed shoes. And so as they walked from place to place, their feet would have gotten really dirty 
dusty, muddy, whatever it was. And so as they entered into a house, it was common practice for a servant in that house, often the lowest of the low in whatever context that house was, to wash everyone's feet as they came in the door. It would be the same as currently one of my kids' favorite things to do is to turn the hose on and make mud and stomp all over it. And as they uh, all of a sudden come running into the house without washing their feet, it makes quite a mess for the rest of us to clean up. So it's a similar concept as, whoa, whoa, you need to stop and hose off your feet. Well, someone would go around and wash the feet of everyone present and dry them off, and then they would continue with whatever they were going to do. And so Jesus lowers himself. It didn't matter what authority or status position he had. He lowers himself to a place where he serves in this way. Now in Matthew 20, a similar thing is Jesus talks about, and this is actually after the disciples have been arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Who's going to have the highest status? And there's kind of this condemning look uh, to, from the other disciples on, on these couple that are arguing. And Jesus called to them, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. That's like holding it over their head. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to stop and consider that for a minute. When was the last time we considered giving our life? Not just serving, but to this point, and we know that this is where the gospel intersects here. Where Jesus didn't just earthly serve in these numerous ways, but he gave his life so that all people could have equal access to the Father through him. That if you believe in the name of Jesus, you will be saved. And so Jesus, even further teaching to his disciples in this way, in Matthew chapter 20, highlights that this is completely countercultural to what they were experiencing in that time as you consider the the authority and the power even of, of religious leaders to uh, lord it over them is the word scripture uses and how often can we use authority or status to put ourselves in a place where we go that's not for me to do that that's that i'm not i'm not going there i i'm not washing those people's feet someone else can do it and yet, the challenge here, if our deepest joy is going to be found in serving like Jesus served, then authority or status can't have anything to do with that. But rather, in view of what Jesus did and what he has done for me, for us, should motivate us to an attitude that looks completely different when it comes to serving well. Now, the broader question in the midst of this is, how do I, how do I bring this to be in application? What, what, what does this look like for me to practically apply this? And, and what are tangible ways that I can think about this? And so the, the first thing that I challenge you with in application as we think about this is serve out of the right motivation. 
serve out of the right motivation. Now, you might ask, what do you mean by that? What, what do you mean when you say serve out of the right motivation? And so I'm going to highlight a few things that are the wrong motivation here, okay? Wrong motivation for serving. The first one of those, desiring to earn God's favor. If I am only serving because I'm desiring to earn points with God, it's the wrong motivation. And the biblical reason that's the wrong motivation is in Ephesians 2, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You get that? So that no one may boast. In saying, look at what I've done. Look at who I've served. Look at me giving to these people and serving in this way. Wrong motivation. Everyone say, wrong. Now, considering this, there's a difference between serving others because of what God in Christ has done for me. And serving others in order to gain God's favor. Two very different things. In our viewpoint and our understanding of what Christ did for us, we should be motivated to live a life of service. But that does not mean that my service somehow earns me bigger and better points with God or earns me my salvation. That can only come through Jesus. The second way that we would approach this with the wrong motivation is desiring to be praised by others. And some of you are familiar with the text in Scripture that speaks about the Pharisees and Jesus directly contradicting what they were doing because much of what they did, they did to be seen by other people. To be able to say, look at me, look at at the way I pray, look at the way I give. If we serve in order to be praised by other people, we serve with the wrong motivation. Now, Galatians 1 actually emphasizes this further. It says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. i got to be honest for a second. This is probably the most challenging passage of Scripture for me personally. And many of my fellow people-pleasing strugglers are going to agree. This is hard. Because we like to be affirmed by people. We like to have people like us. And yet, we have to understand that I cannot serve two masters. I'm either serving Christ or I'm serving something else. And that something else can be the, the appreciation of other people. And so in the midst of this, if I'm just serving so that other people will recognize me, then I'm serving for the wrong reason. Wrong motivations. Everyone say, wrong. The third thing, and this one is really challenging as well, is if I'm serving because I have a desire to ease feelings of guilt. In other words, if something's happened and I'm I'm just constantly feeling guilty and this weight and somehow I think, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this because maybe it will make me feel better about what I did in the past or who I used to be. And the thing you need to hear if this is you, if this is something you struggle with, is that Romans 8.1 tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
who you were, who you used to be, should not dictate who you are today, even if that's from a motivation of guilt. Because in Christ, we're made new. We're reborn. And in fact, this is the very concept Jesus is talking about with Peter in this dialogue. Because Peter's going, Lord, don't wash my feet. And it's kind of a funny scene if you put yourself there and picture it. Because Peter's saying, no, Lord, you are an authority status figure. You will not wash my feet. And then Jesus says something interesting. He says, what I'm doing you don't understand now, but you will. Peter emphasizes again, you shall never wash my feet. So Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And then his tone changes. In verse 9, all of a sudden he's like, give me a bath. Like, I, I want to have a share with you. I want to be able to be, be with you. But Jesus' emphasis here is the contrast. As he delves into something that's spiritual in nature, this contrast between the full spiritual washing that comes at salvation, and then also the systematic continuation of confession and repentance as we, as we fall, as we make mistakes. And so the, the metaphor and even example here is Jesus washing the dirt that's been collected throughout the day off the disciples' feet. And we can reemphasize that in 1 John 1, 9 that says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if we're only serving because we have this constant feeling of guilt, it's the wrong motivation. Everyone say, wrong. Now, the second point of application here. We want to serve out of the right motivation, which is ultimately rooted in what Jesus has already done for us. But the second point of application goes back to our main idea. And that's to recognize that the deepest joy will stem from serving as Jesus served. Many of us struggle with where to place our joy and our happiness because the things we find, it's easy to find things that temporarily sustain us. But a life lived in service to Christ because of what He's done for us is where we will find the most lasting, consistent joy. Now, if we root into that for the wrong motivations, we're probably going to be disappointed. If we do it because we want to earn merit with God, we may be disappointed when it doesn't seem like I'm gaining earthly merit from God. Nothing in Scripture promises an abundance of worldly things as a result of what you're doing. In fact, many times it promises suffering and trial and yet great eternal blessing and reward. In the same way, if I'm doing it to please people, when people aren't pleased with me, I may go, why even try? Why serve? And furthermore, if I do it out of a sense of guilt, then I may be spending more time wallowing in my guilt than recognizing that if I'm in Christ, I'm a chosen child of God who's set free from the chains of sinful bondage and free, free to live as Jesus has called me to live. Our deepest joy will stem from serving as Christ served. And this is where that verse 17 comes in. And really at verse 14, Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet to serve 
For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. How often do we know and yet not do? How often do we believe but do not act? How often do we see but we do not speak? Fearful of what others will say or think. Fearful of how people close to me will respond. Fearful of fill in the blank. Our deepest joy will stem from serving as Jesus served. This does not mean that somehow life is going to be squeaky clean and fun and exciting all the time. But it does mean that our hope and our security is firm and unshakable. As we bring this series to a close, I want to challenge you with the question, what will your focus be? Will you choose to pursue a life that becomes more and more focused on Jesus? Will you choose to follow after not just his teachings, but choose to live a life that models him? Or will you choose to serve yourself and walk in a way that glorifies who you are and what you want to see? And many of us will struggle with this. I would say all of us will be challenged with this for the rest of our earthly lives. But my hope and my prayer is that we would be able to step back for a moment to see the person of Jesus and to be able to answer the question clearly, if I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, then what am I seeking to become? And to be able to see in his life and his character all of these attributes that Christ modeled and go, this is who I long to be. May we be the church God has called us to be, modeling Christ. And may we do so with passion and with fervor and with boldness because of what He has already done for us. Church, today, I pray that you can find your greatest joy in serving as Jesus has already served and as He modeled clearly not just to the people who liked him, but to all people for his whole life. Committed to this regardless of his authority or status. Serve as Jesus served. Father, we thank you for the conviction of your word and thank you that we have freedom in Christ. May we continue to be challenged by this and not just know these things and hear them, but to do them, to put them into practice. God, we trust what you desire to do in our lives with this, and we recognize that we now have responsibility to live this out in hearing these words. We pray this all in Jesus' name.